0: The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day Saved my soul when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone. And I started singing. Heaven. But in first John chapter 5, verse 13, this is, this is a wonderful soul winning verse. I've used this countless times, going out soul winning, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, but I want this to be a, a launching point for us as we talk about spiritual ge- genetics. I'm going back to my undergrad years and my medical school years, where we were uh, indoctrinated into Mendelian uh, heredity or genetics, that's where the founder was with the peapods and all that. But it says, and we'll get to all that in First John chapter five, verse thirteen. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of Jesus, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, as has already been mentioned, would you meet with us tonight? Father, we need your Spirit to move amongst us. I need your Spirit to flow through me to these people. And we need your spirit to be re- in these people tonight to be receptive to the words that are said so that the kingdom of God may be built and that we may be stronger, have a more dynamic, intimate relationship with you. So help us with understanding and wisdom from your spirit. May you guide in all that is said, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I think about it. it would it not be tragic to be uncertain of where you will spend eternity? So many people are out there that just don't know. As as we go out on Saturdays, and as Brother Moon had said, we encourage all of you to go out on the second and fourth Saturdays, September, I believe, through May. We go out passing out tracks, talking to people. I gave the illustration this morning in Sunday school as we we picked a street that was like 10 miles long uh, on the sheet. It didn't look that long, but it was 10 miles long, and uh, each, each uh, driveway was a mile deep, and uh, it took us about five, six weeks to get that thing done. But we did it. It's done. Everyone there uh, got the gospel message, uh, whether in word or by track. Uh, but uh, as we were walking the street, and there were, in, in a lot of places there were no sidewalks, so we were literally taking our lives into our hands as people try to get as close to you as possible when they're driving by you. But uh, there was a lady at the end of her driveway leaning on her car. And so I told my wife, I said, well, you know, you take this one, uh, you know, since it's lady to lady. And as Linda started to just started to say something and bring out the track. No, I don't need that. And it bothered me because she doesn't realize that at that time through my family, Linda and I and Allison were out doing that route. God passed by through us and tried to give her the wonderful, liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. And she said no. And so she's obviously uncertain. There's so much uncertainty in regards to their eternal destiny. And you see it. Well, are you for certain? Well, I think so. I, I hope so. But tonight, through Jesus Christ, you can know so. You can pillow your head tonight knowing that if you do not wake up, that you will wake up in heaven. Because every time you go to bed, you will wake up. It just may not be on earth, but you will wake up. You have, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can know for certainty that heaven is your home, that you will always be in the presence of God, you will never be separated from the love of God, and this whole process takes place by something that is called regeneration. Regeneration. And if you have your Bibles, uh, take them to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Regeneration is the process whereby God, through a second birth, imparts to the believing sinner a new nature. That's why we call it being born again. Being born from above. It says in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. But how are we born? But of God. That's the regeneration process that God through a second birth imparts to the believing sinner a new nature. It says in Titus chapter 3 verse 5, just let me read it for you. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And then if you have your Bibles, take them to 2 Peter. Take them to 2 Peter. and look at verse uh, chapter 1 verse 4 we are given a divine nature through this process of regeneration second peter chapter 1 verse 4 whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust And so through this process of regeneration, we are born again by God through His Holy Spirit, and we are partakers of the divine nature. And with regeneration, we have a a new mind that desires to know God. We have a new heart that loves God, and we have a new will that wants to obey God. And when we are regenerated... I like to think of it as being re-gened spiritually. That when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we receive that divine nature that comes from God, and we receive in a spiritual sense the genetic makeup of God Himself in that divine nature as the Holy Spirit abides within us. And most of you know that uh, you came from a mom and dad. And that's why if I can just insert this here, that homosexuality and lesbianism is not of God because they could not reproduce the human race. It goes against human nature, the divine plan of God. But when we are conceived, and that's when life begins with conception, because the Bible says where there's blood there's life. And you have the rudimentary elements of blood when you're conceived. And that's blood is there, and therefore life is there. And we understand that you receive 23 genetics from mom, 23 from dad. And those 46 chromosomes that you receive, you will display them somehow. Your genetics that you receive from your mom and dad are called your genotype you will display that genotype in your eye color, in your hair color, uh, in your skin tone, uh, in many other areas. you, I demonstrate genetically what my mom and dad gave me. And the same thing is spiritually, when we are born again, when we are given a part of the divine nature, when we are re-gened spiritually, when we are born again by God, we receive that spiritual genetics from God, and as children of God, those should be demonstrated in our lives. I like to call them birthmarks. And in 1 John, take your Bibles back to the book of First John, because I'm going to walk you through that a little bit tonight. I want to share with you some birthmarks that should be easy to find in your life if you are a child of God. Because these birthmarks identify you with your Heavenly Father in whom you receive the divine nature. Now, this does not mean you must have these birthmarks in order to become a Christian, but if you are a Christian, these birthmarks should be demonstrated in our lives. Just like I have blue eyes. Uh, blue eyes are a recessive trait. And so therefore I received a recessive blue eye trait from my dad and mom. Because in order to for a recessive trait to be demonstrated in the physical, they have to be what we call homozygote. But, uh, which is not homosexual, but uh, it's called homozygote. It's uh, where you have two recessive genes, and that recessive gene will be demonstrated. Because if you have a dominant gene with a recessive gene, you know, a dominant maybe from your mom and a recessive from your dad, the dominant one will be demonstrated in your physical nature. And there's a lot of interplay there as well, but generally speaking. And so the same thing goes spiritually. When we're a part of that divine nature, when we have the Holy Spirit within us, that Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate Himself in our life, And we must allow that to transpire. We must submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God so that the genetics of God, that divine nature, can be shown out of our life to a lost and dying world and to encourage other believers in Christ to show the same. And so first of all, If you look at John uh, first John chapter two verses three through six, it's the birthmark of obedience. The birthmark of obedience. First John chapter two, verse three through six says, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Now what am I to say about that? That's what the Bible says. I mean, I don't really even need to give much commentary on that. The Bible demonstrates if we're in Christ, We should at least have the desire to walk like Christ. I mean, I know that we're all sinners. And I know that we're going to think wrong, say wrong things. Uh, Like I said, when I get those shots in my mouth, I want to say some things. I want to do some things. And we battle that. There's temptation. But there should be a sincere desire in us to obey the written word of God. Basically, most of what we need to know for the will of God is written in the Word of God. And if we were just to follow the Word of God, the other maybe 10% that may not be directly stated in the Word of God, I believe by faith as we are following and obeying the written Word of God, that other 10% God will demonstrate to us somehow so that we can continue in His good and perfect or acceptable and perfect will of God. And it's not just obedience to the written word of God and doing the will of God. It's delighting in doing the will of God. Is that your delight tonight? There's a lot of things that are entertaining out there and vying for your attention. But do you delight to do the will of God? If you do not delight to do the will of God, then according to the verses that we read, you really need to examine if you are a child of God. Because he goes on to say that he says in those verses that if you say you're in him and you don't walk after him, what does the Bible say? George Crabbe doesn't say this, but the Bible says, "You're a liar." Those are strong words. However, Jesus used some very strong words when he was confronted by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the doctors, and the lawyers of his time, because only the truth, according to John 8.32, will make a person free. Because you can believe a lie and break hell wide open. And so the first is the birthmark of obedience, obeying the written word of God, but just not obeying it by gritting your teeth and saying, oh, I've got to do this. But down deep in your soul and in your spirit, you have a desire, a delight to actually do the things of God. And that's part of that divine nature that should be showing itself. Secondly, it's found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, and that is the birthmark of love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, let me read these verses. <clears throat> we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That's a question mark. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. My friends, the birthmark of love. Do you allow the love of Jesus through your life to be shown through your life? You may think you are a caring, loving person, but do you love those who do not love you? I knew a lady that, uh, she's still living, but uh, I knew a lady. If you've ever heard of a blacklist, this lady had a blacklist. And she had a phenomenal memory. She visited Ed frequently. She had a phenomenal memory. If you did her or her family wrong in any way, in word or deed, you're on that blacklist. And it could be five months, five years, ten years, twenty years. When the opportunity arose, she'd nail you. How will the love of God in that person. It's easy to love those that love you. But how about that lady we passed on Saturday that said, oh, no, thank you. I, I don't need what you have. We still love her. Because I don't want to see anyone go to hell. My friends, do you have the means, the means that God has given you to be a blessing to others and you don't use it? Think of all that Jesus gave up for us leaving glory, leaving heaven, leaving the side of His Father to come down and save us. Wouldn't you even question that? If you had to come down to save a bunch like us? But Jesus did. Praise the Lord for that. Love others with the love of Christ, unconditional as best you can. And you say, well, He sins. Uh, She says bad words. He says bad words. Uh, They do bad things. My friends, Do you not do the same? How about your thought life? How about the words you say in private? How about the things you do in private? I can't love that person because they're not like me. My friends, we're not like Jesus when we were sinners, but he still loved us and died for us. And one day, praise God, we'll be like him. Oh, that person doesn't meet my standard. Well, praise God, I didn't meet his standard, but through Christ I can. We've got to get off our high horse. And as I've said before, we got to stop looking around and start looking up. Now, I'm not talking about condoning sin. In no way, we need to preach against sin. We need to hate sin as God hated sin. But we also need to love as God loved. And that's a birthmark of a Christian is to love. Number three is found in 1 John chapter 2, and that's the birthmark of truth. 1 John chapter 2, verse 21, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. You know, almost everybody today talks about God, but they leave out Jesus Christ. We need that birthmark of truth. We need to express our faith in Jesus Christ. Because when we talk about God and other people are listening, they can interpret what I say about God as their God. Uh, They could think of it as Allah. They could think of it as another God in, in their own philosophy. But I tell you, You, The rubber hits the road when you bring up the name of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the fundamental message of the Word of God. He is the fundamental message of the good news, the gospel, as we say, of Jesus Christ that makes a person free, that liberates a person from the bondage of sin. We need to express our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, but as you understand, this is clearly an identification of a Christian. It's a birthmark of a Christian. And my friend, sometimes we do not deny Christ in word, but in deed. Sometimes we do not deny him with our lips, but how we live. Because not only do we need to talk about Jesus Christ, we need to live like Jesus Christ. Our behavior should not betray the fact that we are Christians. It should demonstrate to others that we are born again, that there's something different. And a birthmark of truth is that the Word of God should be preeminent in our lives. This book that we hold is the inspired Word of God. And as Pastor has so vividly mentioned, I believe along with him that it's preserved through the authorized King James Version. And it should be fundamental to our life. It should be what we derive our life from. It should be our passion. We should allow it to permeate our lives. And I want to think more like the Word of God. I want to talk more like the Word of God. And I want to live more like the Word of God. That's a birthmark of a Christian. The birthmark of truth. The birthmark of obedience. Delight thyself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Because when you're delighting in the Lord, the desires of your heart correspond with the will of God. And the Lord is more than gracious and merciful to give us his will in our lives. So the birthmark of obedience, the birthmark of love, the birthmark of truth. Lastly, the birthmark of the Holy Spirit witnessed within us. Turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. It says in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. You see, when you're saved, that moment you receive the Holy Spirit. You do not have to have a seizure, throw a fit, spin around, and all that, and say you've got the Spirit. You receive the Spirit when you're saved. And the presence of God is within us and always will be with us because he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I will be with you to the ends of the world. And we receive the Holy Spirit when we are born again. We are, should be, have a desire to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Realize this. Something controls you. It could be TV. It could be a sitcom. It could be a teacher, it could be a preacher, it could be a book, a philosophy, a mom or a dad, it could be a brother, sister, it could be to a mom and dad their sim- uh, children that control them or uh, uh, make them do certain things. My friends, there, we should all be a godly influence to each other. I believe we should fertilize the soil amongst others to do good things. But the fundamental question is, who is controlling your thoughts, your words, your actions? It should be the Holy Spirit of God. That's why I believe there is no small decision. All decisions should be, I believe, counseled by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, by prayer. And sometimes I know you say, what about a decision you have to make when you can't pray? That's why it's so important in the morning to read the Word of God, and to pray, and to submit your day to the Lord, saying, I know there's going to be decisions today that I'm not going to have the ability to pray at that time. I'm not going to have the ability to search out the Word of God at that time. Holy Spirit, in those circumstances, you lead me to make the right decisions, godly decisions, because it is the desire of my heart, the passion of my heart, to make every decision to the honor and glory of God. That's why it's so important to start your day with the Lord. As soon as I wake up, most of the time I thank God that I woke up and I have another day to serve him and that I submit that day to God. Because I know decisions are going to need to be made where I don't have the time to seek him out, so I seek him out in the morning asking him to help me with those decisions. You see the Holy Spirit provides assurance that we are children of God. It says in Romans 8:16 that the Spirit itself bear witness witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the Holy Spirit, you you know, children of God, you know that convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You know that assurance that the Spirit of God can give you in regards to your salvation, because it's the power of the Holy Spirit of God that enables us to live the Christian life. It says in Colossians 1.6, As ye have received Christ Jesus, and how did we receive him? By faith. As ye have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. I can't live this Christian life out of my own power. I would miserably fail. I would be terribly inconsistent. But through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, I can, as I yield to him, I can live a consistent, godly life, striving, as Paul said, to have a life of godliness and contentment. That's one of my prayers every day. Allow me to be godly and content. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And if you do, you will have a life of joy and victory. There's going to be issues. There's going to be troubles. No doubt about it. But you can live in joy and victory. Through the Holy Spirit. Because you and I, as children of God, one of the birthmarks of being a child of God is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. Do you realize, do I realize, God is within us? That is an amazing, awesome thought. So when you're alone in your thoughts, you're not. When you're alone watching TV or pay-per-view, you're not. When you're alone doing something, you're not alone. Well, my wife won't see it. My children won't see it. My husband won't see it. My friends, they're not your judge. God will see it. And so, spiritual genetics, as I have absolutely no way of not demonstrating the genetics my mom and dad gave me because it's who I am. When we're children of God, we receive that divine nature. And that divine nature, that new nature, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, wants to show itself. And I ask you tonight, how are you doing? Are you submitting to the Holy Spirit of God? Are you demonstrating these birthmarks of a Christian, of obedience, of truth, of love, and of the witness of the Holy Spirit? I believe that it would do all of us good. I believe it would be healthy for all of us in a spiritual sense. Just whether it be at the altar or there in your seat, just to tell God, God, I submit to you. I want to have a desire to obey, I want to demonstrate the truth. I want to love as you love, and I want the Holy Spirit to demonstrate Himself in my life. If you say, hey, Brother Crab," I don't demonstrate any of these things, you might need to do a spiritual genetic check tonight, because you are either of two fathers. You're of the father of the devil family or of the heavenly father. That's according to the word of God. And so, you know how they'll swab now the inside of your cheek and get your genetics and they can tell you with like 99% certainty who your parents are? Swab the word of God tonight and see if your genetics match up with this. And I'm telling you, my friend, if they don't, I beg you to be born again. I beg you to repent and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Because as a child of God, I will always be in the presence of God. But as a child of the devil, as I talked about earlier at the Lord's Supper, you will... Feel the wrath of God. And so, Christian, demonstrate these genetics of the Heavenly Father. And for those that are uncertain, make certain tonight. Pastor Moon and myself will be down in the front. We're happy to pray with you. We're happy to show you not what he thinks, not what I think, but what the Word of God says. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Where do you stand in your walk with Christ tonight? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity of preaching the blessed word of God. I pray that the words fell upon understanding ears, that you would work in lives tonight, that every Christian would be desirous to demonstrate these characteristics of a child of God, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that we would name the name of Jesus, live the name of Jesus, love the name of Jesus. And Father, if there be someone here tonight that just is uncertain, and they know right now how they're feeling about eternity, I'm sure there's some in this room right now, Holy Spirit, that you're tugging at their heart's door. You're knocking at that door, saying, let me in, let me redeem you, let me save you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would break through that pride and that they would humble themselves before you tonight and receive the most wonderful gift ever given, your Son, Jesus Christ. Work, I pray, Holy Spirit, during this invitation. May your will be done. May Jesus be glorified. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.